You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 139 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. This week, guys, it's an exciting week because I've got the new Adeptus Mechanicus Codex and it's really good. It's really fun. I can't wait to talk to you all about it later on in the show. Um, It's ace. I I wish I could speak in binary. Uh, It's that good. I'm quite excited here because um, due to due to abnormalities in the warp, this this preview copy only arrived literally yesterday, and and, and you rushed around to pick it up. So I haven't even looked within the covers myself yet. So I'm eager <laughs> to learn what's within it. Yeah, well, I've um, I've started writing a review for the website, which will be up um, probably the same night the podcast goes up. So if you're listening to this, there's a very good chance that you'll be able to come to bruiseandbruise.com and find the review there. If not, then it will uh, it will follow quite shortly afterwards. So um, yeah, I've got the book with me to, as, as, as a point of resource because I, I usually like to read my review notes, but I, it's not finished yet. So um, I've actually got the book with me. Um, so that's really exciting. That's going to be the main segment on this week's podcast. Um, we're also going to keep it a little bit Age of Sigmar this week. I know we've, we've spoke a lot about Age of Sigmar just recently. Uh, for this week's top three, we're going to be looking at our top three releases for Age of Sigmar. So it's a quite a, a broad top three this week. And this is all because, of course, Age of Sigmar 3rd Edition is on the horizon. So um, there's lots of cool stuff that Age of Sigmar has um, bought us. Um, A lot of it is behind me on my shelves, uh, and some of it is in my top three. So looking forward to to talking about those later on. We'll also be reading out the community top three picks towards the end of the show as well. And we also have a dollop of news, including some more pre-orders and uh, potentially some Warhammer animation news as well. Mm. so before we get stuck into all of that matt what have you been doing in the hobby this week well it's it, 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 I, I hate to say it i've not done much hobby this week understandably yeah i had to be covid jab at the weekend and uh yeah it was a fun experience i've been in bed the last three days so uh, i haven't got much hobby done i couldn't let the side down though so i've managed to finish off the objectives from Curse City just need to paint the rims on them really they're done now which leaves just the heroes for Curse City and I also managed to build some of the uh, the new vampire kits so I built the Blood Knights which are absolutely stunning models they're a lot bigger they're nearly as big as Varangard a lot bigger than I thought they'd be yeah um, so they do look like chunky models on the on the site and the way they're sort of like been talked about I think they're like ultimate heavy cavalry, aren't they? So mm, it's good that they've yeah, got yeah. big models as well. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to trying these out. I've got I've got I've got one box left to build, so I think that means I need a third box. So I've got like three battle line cavalry, then led by a couple of vampires on zombie dragons, and do a cavalry list. I can pr- I've I've ordered a load of stuff in last week's pre-orders as well, so I can pretty much do any of the uh, the dynasties. I just need to get it all painted now. Yeah. So, that's so about a week really exactly for you, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, something like that. Well, <laughs> if, if I can catch up this weekend and get some built and painted, then uh, yeah, we might be able to have some games with them next week. Fantastic. Excellent stuff. Uh, Jay, what have you been up to? Well, believe it or not, I've actually I put the Luminef down for a little bit, so I'm still halfway through the uh, Hurricane Wind um, Chargers unit. I haven't really gone back to them. Uh, instead, I've been painting up um, some uh, odd Sylvaneff uh, models I've got. 
So I've got a couple of character models that I've been putting some paint on. The Arch Revenant, I'm putting the finishing touches right now, in fact, on the wings. And some of the Endless Spells, um, just ready to uh, dust them off for when the um, Broken Realms Kragnos comes out. Excellent. Of course, he's got Alariel's um, new War Scroll in it and the Warsong Revenant as well, which I'm really looking forward to picking up. Mm. So not, not too much hobbying, just sort of like flitting between different models. I really... I'm in danger of losing motivation on the Luminef, but I think I'm going to put in a few shifts this week and just get that thousand points finished. Then at least I've got a, a full army I can use. I've seen I've yeah. seen you swaying back to the Sylvaneth this week, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Sylvaneth are really cool. And it, well, they were like, like, yeah. Go on, carry on, Dave. Sorry. It, it is like your first AOS army, wasn't it? Yeah, I really like the Sylvaneth. I like everything about the Sylvaneth. Uh, they're not the most currently not the most competitive army by a long shot but they're really fun to use they're just a bit of a the hard work to use sometimes because you've got all those wild woods you need to yeah. carry around with you and put on the board and it can just sometimes take the fun a little bit out using them i really wish they had a different allegiance ability where you didn't have to worry so much about the uh the wild woods i, um, I think that'll be a given in next edition like you say even with the new scenery placing rules it's it's not great for the sylvanith at the minute is it no. Let's be honest. It's a really cool mechanic in in uh, theory, isn't it? Being able to like summon woods and teleport between the woods and um, gives you good reason to paint some up. But I guess in practice, like you say, Jay, it's you've got it's to buy those practice. woods, you've got to paint it's them, practice. carry them around, yeah, be able to place them on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I'd I'd really like to see a mechanic where they can entangle or wild woodify existing t- scenery, yeah. and then and then play off of that. Yeah. Even if you place a tree on the scenery piece to represent it being yeah. entangled or something, that'd be cool. Especially if we see, and again, this is all speculation, but if we see a shift to, in 40k, all the scenery is now keyword-based with different rules keying off those keywords. So it doesn't matter what the actual scenery piece is, what really matters are those those keywords. And we kind of see that in the Sons of Bayonet, where the Gatebreaker can essentially reduce a scenery piece to, to the rubble keyword. So, yeah, yeah. Th- th- that'd be cool if if they could make existing scenery pieces into woods, because then you haven't got the problem where you're trying to find space on the table and you don't need a box full of trees to actually exactly. play the army. Yeah. 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 So let, let's see what happens anyway with the silver. But I, I am, I mean, it's always fun when a new edition of the game comes out. I don't know about you guys, but it's good to go back to older armies that you've not used yeah. for a while as well and, and, and play again with the rules. Um, and a new edition just on the horizon. So it's going to be really, really cool. And of course, they've said, you know, the new rules are going to change the way you use your army. So it could be that some of the units that aren't that great and strong and useful currently in the Sylvaneth range, for example, get a new lease of life in yeah. in, the, in the next edition. So it's cool. But I really do need to stay disciplined and get at least get this unit of Hurricane Wind Chargers painted this week because um, then like and you say and, and your scenery piece and your scenery piece and the scene, I keep forgetting about that yes <laughs> I do keep forgetting about that because then I've got like over 2,000 points of Luminef Rollmills painted then plus a 1,000 point playable army so it's like a milestone then I can relax a little bit and, and then we've obviously we've got all the good stuff coming they've got the new Stormcast stuff coming that's really cool we've not seen who the Stormcasts are fighting yet and that's going to be my no. tale of um, gamers um, project so yeah exciting times excellent stuff um, I have been painting some Skaven. So I said last week I was hoping to have painted something uh, Skavenish, and I have. Um, I painted a warlock bombardier. Um, he or bombardier even. Um, I really enjoyed painting him. He's quite a, a vibrant scheme. I think you um, said Matt, it was a bit comic book kind of style 
ish. Yeah, it's it's not in a bad way, and like a kind of uh, yeah, it's like kind of cell shaded kind of colours, flat flat panel colours that really kind of pop. Mm. I think that really works for the Skaven with the, with that bright orange. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed painting him. Um, I've I've taken delivery of of basically my Skaven army now, <laughs> so um. Uh, it's going to be hard. I'm going to be painting a little bit of them because um, Matt quite rightly said for our Taylor Gamers, which is really what I want to do the Skaven for. While you guys are painting like units of five and ten, I'll be painting units of forty. So um, yeah, I might have a little bit of a head start on those. Um, but yeah, Dave, cheating in the Spruce yeah. Bruce Challenge. <laughs> I mean, should we, should we have a little chat? Because I don't think we've, I think we had we had the kind of ideas of Taylor Gamers last week, but I think since then we've kind of got a bit more of a firmer idea of what we want to do for the Taylor Gamers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so, so yeah, so essentially we've, we, we know the new third edition is coming. We've got the Dominion box set that we should see the contents of on Saturday. And uh, yeah, we all kind of thought we'd... We'd start a new a new army over a number of months. We've done it in the past. You've seen this this kind of thing in White Dwarf and all sorts. Um, so as David, as you've said, the Skaven is going to be kind of your project for that. And just because of the number of models in there, I think yeah, you, I think we'll give you a bit of grace period to start <laughs> painting your million clan rats. <laughs> uh, as as for me and Jay. I think we're probably thinking the forces out of the Dominion box, aren't we? Obviously, we haven't seen them all yet, but that's that's where we're currently leaning to, because I think that'd be a nice way of tying it into the new edition as well. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, uh, it, it'd be interesting. Uh, as long as uh, uh, we've not seen anything from the... Um, well, I say we've not seen anything. We have actually seen some rumour engines, haven't we? I'm going to say of the destruction forces. Mm. In the mm. um, so that's, that's all we've seen, but we've got no idea really. Apart from, I don't know, maybe Dave can talk about this later on. Uh, we we may have had a glimpse of a, a, a warrior from the new destruction um, force in one of the Warhammer TV previews or yeah. trailers, yeah. potentially. So yeah, so I'm hoping this sort of look of the army appeals to me because obviously that's a key part of whether you want to paint a big army. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. So as long as they don't come out and I'm like, no, I really don't like those guys, then yeah, I'll be doing those guys. But worst case, if that was the case, well, there's plenty of models we can paint for it, isn't oh, there? Yeah, well, there's loads of armies. I mean, that, I was looking really. I've only really got the Sylvan F, the Lumen F and me dwarf army so there's a there's a what there must be about 12 13 14 different armies out there potentially to to, to pick mm. from um so yeah I've, I've i've painted him um i've also built my first storm fiend as well um i will get the other two um built but i'll i'll save painting those for the the challenge because they're much chunkier models um and i think that's that's really been it for me and the hobby this week i kind of wish I'd got my Paraxi um, finished building. Um, I don't think I'm going to have time uh, for the rest of this week now because I'll be too busy on um, reviews. But um, if I can, I might try and get those built for the for the weekend as well and sprayed. Um, oh, because games, are we? Spoiler alert, they're good in the Codex. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, uh, I definitely want to get those um, built and, and ready for the tabletop. Pro tip, whatever Dave's painting this week is probably really good in the new codex then, yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye um, on Dave's Twitter feed, is what you're saying. You know what, Jay? We've got a game we're playing. We're playing Warhammer at the weekend. Can you imagine such a thing? And none of us have seen this codex yet, so I'm a bit concerned that Dave's going to turn up and take <laughs> I, us all out with it. I, I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this later on in the show, but it, I don't think it's as um, good as, say, the Drakari um, have been or... Um, probably the marines but they're very fun uh, i think it's gonna be a really fun army 
Uh, there's a lot to them as well. There's lots of different special rules, lots of auras, but we'll come to that a little bit later on. Um, but before we get to that Codex um, review, let us take a pause and come back with all of this week's news. What do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we've got some pre-orders. We've got some exciting pre-orders as well, guys. Broken Realms Kragnos, the final part of the Broken Realms book and quite possibly the final release until we go into the next edition of Age of Sigmar is up for pre-order. £25, really excited to read this one. I mean, all the books have been amazing from a story point of view. Uh, I know you're excited for this one as well, Jay, for a lot of the rules in here. The, the new uh, Sylvaneth stuff, you've got Kragnos himself, I think Lord Croak's getting a new war scroll in here. So should be a pretty good book, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, 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 there's a lot in this. You've got the Slanish Twins as well and the um, yeah. Witch Hunters. Yeah, so yeah, really, really excited to have a look at this one. Uh, also, alongside this, we have got Kragnos himself weighing in at £100. That seems about right because he's a big chap. He looks probably about Mega Gargant sized. So uh, yeah, this this is a big, impressive kit. Are you tempted to pick up this guy, Jay? Uh, yes, I, I will. So I've got a big shopping list this week. So um, the Warsong Revenant, definitely. Um, and Kragnos. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I, I do like him. Obviously, if I'm planning on doing a Destruction Army anyway, I think it, it, you know he'll be a good centerpiece for that. I think, and um, we can get one painted up. I know, I know you're after one as well, are you, Dave? But I don't know if we're getting one this week. No, I would have done if I hadn't have just dropped some money on some skates. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of my hobby budget for um, this month. But no, I'll uh, I'll definitely be getting him in the near future. Yeah, but I think I think I, I pick one because I thought we've got a couple of destruction armies between us, so someone can make yeah. use of him on a on a on a on a battle report. I think so. And between us, we should have all the god models as well, so that's cool. We should do a god showdown. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, yeah, that'd be oh, fun. Yeah, Rathi, right. Nagash, various greater <laughs> demons. That'd be really cool, right? That's on the to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you mentioned the Warsong Revenant. That's also up for pre-order, thirty-four pound fifty. Seems a bit pricey because it doesn't seem the biggest model, yeah. but it's I sometimes hard to judge these things, isn't it? Compared to like a lot of the the vampire stuff, it's quite reasonable, isn't it? Yeah, I just think it's because he's got amazing rules. So you know, <laughs> this could be it. This could be it. Um, we've also got the new Lord Croak, which looks amazing. But again, seventy-four pound price tag seems a bit. Uh, yeah, you know, if there wasn't a new edition coming out and I wasn't on the verge of starting a new army, I'd definitely be grabbing this guy straight away because I think the model is amazing. But as it is, I think I'm going to wait. I think I might pick this up later on. Um, yeah. But it is super in it. That that's the reimagining of Lord Croak. Wow, it's crazy good. Yeah, he, he might have crazy good rules as well. You never know. We'll see what his new yeah, war scroll he, looks he's like. He's apparently quite good at the moment, isn't he? So yeah, he's very good at the moment. Yeah. So I mean, they might tone him down. That's you know <laughs> the question. Uh, we've also got um, Galen and Doralia Ben Dentst, the Witch Hunter duo. They look really cool. Thirty-one pound fifty for the two of them. Again, a little bit on the pricey side, but I don't think that's too bad for two like human size. Uh, models. Prices in general seem to have crept up a little bit with this with this wave of stuff. Um, but they look really cool. And again, I'm really excited to see their rules actually. To see how they. I'm wondering whether they're going to have like a um, a mechanic where you can ally them in to order armies. Do you know, they just yeah. order army or something like that. Well, this is it. I'm I'm tempted to do um, Excelsior, Excelsius, Excelsior. What's the Stormhouse called? The white, the white and blue. The, yeah, the, you're, the, you're right. Yeah, no, the, the World Eaters basically <laughs> is uh, what I'm I'm going for. And if I can ally in these guys, I'd get them because they just look cool. I mean, they've got a Cities of Sigmar army, but I, I think 
they're, they're in a very kind of empire color scheme now. i think these guys look better kind of grim and dark and gritty won't they so yeah uh, they look cool and then we've also got dick Sessa and Silnessa, the slaneshi twins these are these kind of surprise 68 pounds seems reasonable compared to the other stuff that's up for pre-order for a you know keeper a secret size model mm. yeah i mean i suppose you do need two of them yeah, this is it, yeah. This is it. So it's a shame they haven't done like a double box or something. Yeah, like well, at first when I saw the price, I forgot that you, you're buying one. You've got to buy two kits to get the two. So I was like, oh, that's a really good price. It's still a good price, but not as good as I initially thought. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you can probably take them individually. And really, oh, yeah, yeah. the only real difference is that kind of either peacock tail or wings on the back of it, isn't it? Yeah, so, uh, you, so you're using one of your proxy, I suppose, can't you? If you... Yeah, you can probably, although the Keeper of Secrets is pretty easy to magnetise. So, I mean, I'll, I'll probably get two of them anyway but yeah they look pretty good um we've also got four new battalion boxes we've seen these for all of the broken realms books and they've always been really good buys for the sylvaneth we've got dreicher's spirit grove so this contains dreicher and 10 tree revenants that normally cost you 90 pounds separately this box costs 60 pounds and again get it from somewhere like you know element games 40 45 pounds you're pretty much, if, if you want Dreicher, you're getting 10 Tree of Evidence for a tenner. Yeah. So, yeah, that seems pretty good. Uh, even if even if you picked it up just for the Tree of Evidence and sold Dreicher, that's still a decent saving, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's actually what I'm going to do, Matt. Um, I've got 10 Tree of Evidence already in my army, um, but I've always wanted to add a few more. And I, I, I like you say, I think these boxes, if you're clever about it, they're a good way of grabbing units that you want to get. You know, if you can sell the, the unit you don't want, it, it makes it an even better deal, doesn't it? So... Yeah, I mean, at the at the cost of the box, you're basically getting Dreicher for a fiver. So, you know, even if you sold Dreicher for 20 quid on eBay, you, you're up there, aren't you? Yeah. So, yeah, pretty good. Uh, there's a really good one for you, Dave. Rat, Ratachak's <laughs> Doom Coven. This has got a, uh, a b- <laughs> Bombardier, uh, three Storm Fiends and a Warp Lightning Cannon for £55. Now, considering three Storm Fiends alone costs £40, that's really, really good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I I wasn't tempted at first, but actually I, I thought I was getting free lightning, uh, free war. Uh, I thought I was getting free warp lightning cannons, but I've, I've only actually got two. So maybe maybe uh, a purchase there. Hmm. Uh, we've got the exquisite pursuit, which is a slanesh box. This comes with the epitome, three fiends and five seekers. Uh, it costs fifty five pounds. You essentially save twenty two pound fifty. This one is less of a bargain because every Slanesh player's got about 80 Seekers of Slanesh from the various boxes they've put out over the years. I think it, if it was any other kit, I'd have picked it up. But I've got more Seekers than I'd ever know what to do with them. <laughs> uh, that, that said, though, you know, the Fiends the fiends and the Epitome cost £30 each. You're saving £5 on them and you're getting a free sprue of Seekers. I just don't... You'd struggle to shift Seekers on eBay, I think, because they've been in every single Slanesh box ever, haven't they? Yeah, they have. It's, it's a shame. It's not even if it was something like Demonettes or something are always useful. Yeah, they, they do seem to like putting Seekers in these boxes. But still good savings, especially if you're a new Slanesh player as well. And then finally, we've got a, a uh, Beasts of Chaos one, the Butcher's Herd. So this comes with a Great Bray Shaman, six Borgors and a Gorgon. There's about 113 pounds worth of stuff in there, and it costs 70 pounds. Uh, obviously, the Beasts of Chaos aren't the most competitive army at the world, but if you want something uh, kind of Minotaur heavy, again, that seems a pretty good start of an army. I've seen a few Beast um, Beasts of Chaos battle reports um over the last few months and they do seem like quite a fun army to use especially like the um 
the, the mechanic where you're like you're basically killing your own guys to get summoning points and stuff. That's pretty cool. That's the yeah. scaven you do. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's another one where, like, like, like with Jay and Croak, if I hadn't already kind of spent my hobby funds this month on uh, vampires, I'd have picked that up to add to our kind of collection of armies. Yeah. But, uh, I think this is, this is interesting to me actually because I didn't realise. I'm assuming then the Beasts of Chaos must feature in Kragnos. Mm, they must do, yeah. And yeah. that does interest me. How yeah. they relate to this big beastie-looking god. Yeah. There was a short story I think that was released today. Um, which was focused on the Beastmen. Really? Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, Beastmen fighting Sylvaneth, so... See, they're in an interesting place because, you know, Kragnos could appear to the, appeal to their bestial nature, couldn't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but, uh, like uh, exactly what you've just said, traditionally the, the kind of um, the, the battle plans in the book are based around those forces, so it's good, pretty much by the look of this, Sylvaneth versus Chaos... So that's fine, because we've got those forces we can use for battles as well. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Um, we also found out that Dominion is the name of the uh, third edition launch box for Age of Sigma. Again, they're very, they're very clever with the launch box thing rather than a starter set. I imagine we'll see a similar thing to Indomitus, where we get this cool big launch box with the full hardback rule box and a load of models that would go super quickly, and then the standard kind of starter box will be some of that content with the rest being sold separately. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, personally, I'd have rathered Indomitus being a permanent starter box for 40k because it was such a good box. I think it isn't because it is so good value, if that makes sense. It's more uh, of a thing to get people excited in, into the game yeah. and build up the hype, isn't it? And I guess yeah. we'll see the same with Dominion. You say yeah, so much with that Indomitus box, didn't you, that it wouldn't make business sense to have that as a starter box. Plus, it didn't include a lot of the stuff you would need if it was a starter box, like dice and uh, measurement stuff. And um, But it was a great box. It would have been nice to see, it, even if it was just in production for a few months and then went away. Didn't they, um, Didn't they with the 40k side, wasn't the free three sort of sizes of starter box they released there are yeah so there's a a small one which i think is 25 pounds which contains kind of a core unit for each and a hero you've then got kind of got the medium sized box which has a few more units each side and then you've got the big box which came with some of the card tiles that they use now for the playing surfaces which is really good and enough scenery to cover it so again pretty good box and it I guess arguably as a new player having a board scenery and two armies and your dice and rule book and stuff that is a good kind of into the game isn't it mm-hmm. but i guess for us two thousand point armies and the rule books are a better buy for us isn't it absolutely so but yeah presumably we'll see that and we will find out what is in that box on saturday so super excited to see that it's 6 p.m on uh warhammer community and twitch Speaking of previews, we had a preview on Saturday while I was feeling sorry for myself in bed. Dave, do you tell us a little bit about Warhammer Plus? Yeah, so uh, Warhammer Plus has been outed. We, basically, it's going to be a, a vehicle of which they're going to put their Warhammer, Warhammer animations on. They didn't reveal much else. Um, it's going to be an online service. They have hinted that it's not just going to be home to their animations and their um, their, their, their uh, Warhammer Storyforge content but they haven't said what else it will include. Um, I did put a tweet out to get some, you know, some ideas flowing between 
uh, our community. Uh, one person, apologies, I've, I should have made a note of the names. And a one person mentioned potentially we could see them put black library content on there, a bit like Audible, maybe some audio books or some e-books that you could read on like a subscription service. Uh, Garrow, I think, um, said something about, um, what was his idea now? Um, uh, potentially expedited shipping or free shipping from the subscriber. The, the Warcom article mentions perks to being a subscriber. So yeah. that, you know, kind of an Amazon Prime style service where you get free shipping or free yeah. express delivery. That's not a bad thing, really. No. Considering the amount of Warhammer stuff we order between us as well. So we're going to learn. Um, what... more subscription maybe tied into it or something yeah, like that. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see more on that in the, the coming um, couple of weeks. Uh, what we did get to see was a very, very cool trailer that combined all their different projects that are on the go at the moment. So they've got, um, I think it's 11 projects uh, at the moment uh, of different kind of art styles. Um, interestingly, obviously, up until that preview, we'd only seen stuff based in the Warhammer 40k universe. We did actually see our first um, Stormcast project. Uh, based animation uh which is going to be called uh which one was it now black, black, black talon black talon yeah because it's a, it's about need black talon and jay you mentioned earlier on that we we did actually see what we think is a little hint at what's going to be in dominion and that's a very marsh like kind of orc uh he definitely yeah. looks more orc than goblin i think um, yeah. well, I'd, I'd argue it was more kind of like a tall goblin very much in yeah. the style of ripper snarlfangs yeah so that's a bit of a hint of what we might see on Saturday. But it was good to see uh, Age of Sigmar getting some uh, animation love because all the other projects are all based in the 40k setting. Um, the only other thing they did in the preview is they had some audio snippets from each of these shows. So we didn't see any um, footage of, you know, individual footage of Black Talon, for example. But we did hear some audio clips. Um, there's a couple of really exciting ones in here that we, we weren't aware of because quite a few of these we've kind of seen... Uh, discussed over the past few weeks there's a, a new one called broken lance which follows the story of um a broken basically night household we don't know what they've done um but they've they're, they're trying to i think they're trying to gain back their honor a little bit so we're going to see lots of knights stomping around lots of night combat which is really really cool um and then yeah i think the, they also announced prior nexus which we're going to see a lot of necrons um in that one uh, and we also saw, to finish off the, the preview, we saw the first seven minutes of the first episode of Angels of Death as well, um, which was uh, which was really good. It has a very unique sort of Sin City art style, this one. We, I think this is the uh, one they've mainly talked a lot about. I think this is going to be, I think all of these uh, are pretty much going to be there or thereabouts when the service launches. But this will definitely be um, one of the first ones that they put on because they, they seem to have spoken about this one quite a lot. Um and interestingly, the uh, lead um, Blood Angel in it, or one of the lead Blood Angels, is he was he was um, inducted into the Death Watch, and he's just recently come back to the Blood Angels. Has he? Um, so he's a bit conflicted uh, at the moment. Um, so uh, yeah, you can you can watch the first seven minutes over on Warhammer Community. If you look for that Warhammer Animation uh, preview article, you'll be able to see it at the bottom of that page. Awesome. It's all about Exodite for me. The Exodite, really looking forward to that one. Well, uh, well, Jay, they were dropping some serious hints on that preview that we, this isn't going to be the only time we're going to see and hear about Exodite. So be very, very excited. Well, well, so on the on the Warcom article, they say it is launching in July, so that's not far away. No. It will be available on mobile, tablet, and 4K TV. Uh, and they say the full lineup. And the subscriber benefits will blow your socks off. 
and we find out more on the 23rd of June. Cool. I mean, they could do like tie-ins with like um, limited uh, edition models and things, tie-ins yeah. and that sort of thing, couldn't they? Subscriber models, yeah. yeah. I mean, it all comes down to cost. I, I, I mean, as a kid, when we were first getting into the into the, the games, Dave, how often did we talk about how cool would it be if there was a film or a cartoon series for Warhammer? Yeah. And now yeah. it's finally happening. So, I mean, that, that's what, cool. 16 of them as well. So, yeah, yeah. and that's it. If, 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 if they try and go in with a Netflix-style pricing of, call it, £9 a month, that's that's way going to be way off the mark for people, isn't it? I mean, people will probably watch it for a month or two, watch all the content, then pause. I think they'll do better if it's a, a cheaper price point. Again, it depends what these benefits are. If there's other tangible yeah. benefits that you can make use of, in the same as Amazon Prime, you'll, you'll subscribe for them as well, so... Yeah, we'll learn more in a couple of weeks, so that's that's not too long to wait. No. Excellent stuff. That wraps up all of this week's news. Um, it's time to talk Adeptus Mechanicus. We're going to take a pause and come back with the latest 40k codex. So interestingly, Jay actually said before we started recording the podcast uh, tonight that it feels like such a long time ago when we actually had a new book to kind of discuss. Uh, especially for 40k but i don't actually think that dracari was that long ago i think we're just like we're used to these releases coming so thick and fast now aren't we that we're kind of a little bit spoiled (laughs) yeah i suppose we're in the privileged position where where gw very kindly send us a copy a week early so we're kind of like uh, it feels like the books are out a lot longer ago where obviously this book isn't even released yet is it no uh absolutely not so uh, we, we are going to take a look at the Adeptus Mechanicus Codex now. Um, now, I'm not going to go into sort of full detail. I'm going to pick out a few cool things in here. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I am currently in the process of writing a review, which will be uh, up, if not, when this podcast goes live a few hours later, um, hopefully. So you'll be able to check it in a, a bit more kind of detail. Um, it, the first thing I noticed when I picked this up, because um, I had the original, uh, my, my last Adeptus Mechanicus Codex with me, this one's far chunkier, but I guess what helps there is you've got all your engine war stuff in here. Um, so that's that's really cool, all your Crusade content. Uh, but let's start uh, at the beginning. So uh, a lot of the lore in here is not copy and pasted from the previous Adeptus Mechanicus Codex, but it's a ca- the same kind of thing. So there's nothing jumping out to me at the moment, which is kind of brand new, which we tend to see. I mean, I mean we mentioned this with Drakari, uh, Dark Angels and stuff. They tend to keep that for supplements now, like you knew yeah. kind of what's going on right now. But what this book is really good at is if you you don't know who the Adeptus Mechanicus are, you don't know all the different kind of sub-factions within, this does a really good job of um, explaining their place in the Imperium, about all the different key Forge worlds. Um, Belisarius Call, who's still the only named uh, character available for the Adeptus Mechanicus. Um, so it does a really good job of giving a flavour for the army, uh, a flavour for the different Forge worlds. Uh, and of course, you've got some glorious um, gallery images of uh, all your different units and all your um, different models that you can purchase for the army. So that's all very cool. It's, it's always a nice way of um, kicking into a book and uh, being able to see all of that before you get to um, the really tasty stuff, which is which is all um, the rules. <clears throat> the, the There's a couple of things which I want to mention at this point, um, which are big changes to the Adeptus Mechanicus. First of all, there were some concerns online that um, the reason we had knights, imperial knights in the previous codex, was to kind of pad out the book a little bit. And that with the release of the 9th edition codex, 
the Adeptus Mechanicus might find it more difficult to bring a knight into the fray without breaking sort of detachment rules or paying CP and stuff. So what uh, Games Workshop have done uh, is for each Adeptus Mechanicus uh, detachment that you can take, you can take a knight and it gains the knight of the cog keyword. So in essence, you're not going to break any of your army construction rules. You'll be able to take a knight of your choice uh, with your army um, and, and have fun, really, which is which is very, very cool. Um, there's also in the previous book, we had Canticles of the Omnisire, uh, which gave various buffs. That's they're back in, in almost the same wording rules wise. There's some tweaks. Uh, however, not all of your units gain access to Canticles. It's only stuff that has that keyword, which is mainly well, which is pretty much everything that isn't Skitari. So you've got your Tet Priests, your Stellan Robots, um, stuff like that. They all gain access to Canticles, uh, but not your Rangers, not your Vanguard, not your Infiltrators, stuff like that. They, they don't gain access to those. Instead, what um, Skitari gain are Doctrines. Uh, now, Matt, you played the Adeptus Mechanicus before I did, so before the 8th edition Codex, and, and you um, told me that these are actually in that original book, weren't they? Yeah, so originally we had a Scutari book and a Court Mechanicus book, and essentially this was a distinction between the two of them. So it's quite nice to see that come back in some form, because I guess uh, the way the forces of the Adeptus Mechanicus are constructed, you've got the kind of military side, but then you've got the religious side, haven't you? You have, you have, which they, they kind of tried to dive a bit more to in, in this book. So uh, Doctrina Imperatives, uh, these affect any of your Skitari keyworded units. Um, there are four of them. So um, you are going to have a turn where you can't activate one of these. But you don't have to roll a d6 or anything. You can just choose at the beginning of the battle round which one you want to have for that turn. Each one has um, a benefit, so something that will help all your Skitari units but they all come with downsides as well. So um, probably my favourite one for being an Admech player uh, is uh, Protector Imperative. Its optimization is that all your Skitari units gain plus one ballistic skill, which is always handy with Admech. you got a lot of stuff there hitting on twos, uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, however, their weapon skill is reduced by one, um, which isn't such a major deal um, for a lot of the Skitari stuff um, because... Um, a lot of them just want to be shooting maybe infiltrators and rust stalkers aside, but there, there are ways around uh, not having that uh, downside to your doctrines, which we'll come to when we start talking about stratagems and data sheets. Um, so they're, they're very cool. Um, it's another level of uh, rules, um, which some people online have said makes the army a little bit more complicated to play. It's more special rules. Um, but I, I really like it. I think it really gives um, a good uh, added bit of flavour to the Adeptus Mechanicus. Um, also on the subject of um, canticles, you no longer roll for them. So again, at the beginning of the battle round, you can choose to uh, cant one of these um, canticles. Um, there's no way to um, activate two of them. So any Mars players, you can no longer have two of these in effect in one game. Again, there are ways of picking a unit and changing their canticles um, for that turn. Uh, but again, we'll, we can sort of cover that a little bit later on. So they're, they're really cool. Uh, I like that kind of added flavour to the um, to, to the army, uh, which is really fun. Fruit's going a bit there. Uh, we'll touch upon Forge Worlds. So you've got various main Forge Worlds for the Adeptus Mechanicus. Um, I'm not going to go through them all, um, but 
I am going to talk about a couple of the favourites. So the one a lot of competitive players take, and I think they will still be taking, is Mars. Uh, Mars is obviously home to Call, our one and only special character for the army. Uh, their dogma has completely changed. So it's uh, in two parts. All, all Skatari units gain the canticles uh, of the Omnisire ability. A few moments ago, I mentioned these Skatari units couldn't gain canticles. Mars can. So your stuff like Shroud Psalm, which is back, you could have that on your, your Vanguard, on your Rangers, all your Skatari units, which is really powerful. Uh, and also, each time a unit with this dogma is selected to shoot or fight, you can re-roll one hit roll when resolving the unit's attacks. So it's a free re-roll, basically, for every unit in your army in both the shooting and the fighting phase. Um, their uh, stratagem has changed. So previously, Wrath of Mars, for I think it was 2 CP, you picked a unit, any sixes to wound, did a mortal wound in addition. There was no cap on that, um, so you used to see a lot of it on double shooty Castell and Robots and stuff. Um, it's slightly reworked now. Uh, you can only do a maximum of six mortal wounds uh, on unmodified sixes, which, to be fair, I think on average, you're probably going to be getting about six mortal wounds anyway. So I don't think it's much of an, a nerf. Um, but what is cool is it only costs one CP if the unit using the stratagem uh, has a power rating of under 11. Uh, if it's over 11 or 11 or more, then it costs two CP, which is the same cost as previous. Um, so that's... Um, that's pretty cool. I think I think that's a that's a good change. Uh, another popular one that's worth touching on is uh, Lucius. Lucius was a really popular Forge world because they had access to a stratagem that allowed you to teleport. Um, as written in the previous book, it also allowed you to teleport knights, which was uh, fun. Um, that's unfortunately no longer the case, which is no big surprise really. Uh, that stratagem is now one CP, and you can select a Lucius unit that is not a vehicle. Um, and you can um, deep strike them. Um, they are, however, they do have a pretty good dogma. Um, each time an attack with a damage characteristic of one is allocated to a model with this dogma, you can add one to their armor saves. There's still an awful lot of damage one weapons out there, um, so you could be pushing all your kind of Skitari units up to three plus saves and stuff, which uh, is really good. And they also add three inches to any ranges on their range weapons as well, uh, which is which is really, really good. Uh, one last Forge World that I want to touch upon is Riser. Um, these are the orange robe guys, so there's a really nice colour scheme, actually. Um, these are kind of like your close combat Forge World. There's a few stratagems and buffs in this book that um, encourage a more fighting-based uh, Adeptus Mechanicus army, um, which gives players a completely different way of playing, really, for the, the ad mech. Um, their dogma uh, allows you to add an extra um, one to a wound roll, so if your unit was charged, um, has charged or has performed a heroic intervention, they add one to their wound rolls, um, which is really good for taking down sort of more armoured stuff. And you can also add one to their charge rolls as well. So um, they're quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting forge world. Uh, you can also, returning from engine war, you can build your own uh, forge world if you so want. Uh, there's five categories, shall we say each with a primary and then you get a choice of one of two um one of three secondaries to build your own forge world um, which I'll, I'll cover more about in the in the review on the website uh stratagems wise uh, in this book <laughs> there's actually i expected to see quite a mix of engine war and the previous codex stratagems uh, there's actually a whole host of brand new stratagems here there's not actually i don't think 
that many that have come over, especially from the previous codex. There's a couple here from um, Engine War. Um, but um, yeah, there's, there's a whole raft of, there's four, four pages of stratagems in this book, uh, and most of them are brand new. Uh, I picked out a couple um, that kind of um, I think could be really, really fun. I really like running um, Infiltrators. And I know you, I think you used to run Infiltrators when you had yeah, that. Yeah, I, mean, I am that. partial to some Infiltrators. Yeah, so um, there's a few combos you could do with them uh, in this book. So they've already had a buff when we come to the data sheets because their Taser Goads now have uh, a rend on them. So get this for a little combo. So for one CP, you can use a stratagem called Assassin, Assassin Constructs. This adds one to their strength. Um, so that makes your um, infiltrators with taser goads and Fletcher Blasters strength seven in combat. Um, you can then, for another CP, you can make their, because they've got taser goads. On sixes, they do two extra hits. For one CP, you can actually make them explode on fives, nice. um, which is really, really cool. Um, and there is another stratagem. Um, I've got two mixed up here. So, sorry, Assassin's Constructs, actually, that added one to your attack's characteristic um, if you charge, were charged or heroically intervened. Um, the one that gave them an extra strength was called Machine su Superiority. So, in essence, it does cost three CP, but you'll end up with Strength 7, three attacks each, exploding on fives with minus one rend and infiltrators, which I thought was... Um, a lot of fun. I thought that that could be quite good, um, especially if you like put them in riser as well, where they could get an extra attack on top of that. Mm. Um, they could be quite powerful. Um, there's lots of different ways in this book of um, giving different characters warlord traits and relics. We've seen this quite a lot in um, codexes now, uh, where for an extra CP you can pick another character model, give them warlord trait, give them a relic. With the Adeptus Mechanicus, you can actually now choose a unit leader. For example, your, your, your Ranger Alpha, you could give him a Warlord trait. You could you could give him a Relic uh, if you so wanted, which I thought was um, quite fun. There's, there's four different stratagems in order to do those kind of uh, combination of things, uh, giving units different Warlord traits and, and Relics and stuff. Um, I have noticed that, uh, unfortunately... What was a really fun stratagem from Engine War, uh, and it also cost zero CP, was like an auto disembark. So if you lost your transport, you could disembark your guys and, and not take any casualties. That's gone, sadly. However, the auto explode is still in here, in here which um, was really good for one CP. You could just blow up your vehicles, uh, which is really cool. Very Death Guard. I mentioned during the hobby update that I really wanted to build some Paraxy, get them finished and get them painted. Um and that's because they have there's a few stratagems in this book that um, really help them. So they they have the um, you can give them a, an extra strength using their machine superiority, but they have access to their own um, stratagem for one CP called booster thrust. You select one paraxy unit from your army. At the end of your turn, they just go off the board. So um, you deploy them, and then at the end of the turn, you could take them back off again and put them back into reserves. It mentions nothing about, you know, they have to be away from units or anything. They, so they could be in combat, and you could just pull them out and put them into reserves. What's also interesting is when you look at some of the actions. So, for example, deploy scramblers. At the end of the turn, you score your points for that action. So what you could potentially do with your paraxy is deep strike them, 
deploy scramblers and at the end of the turn score your points and then take off with them again which i don't know if that's going to get faq'd because that seems a bit too good but we'll um we'll wait and see we'll see how um the dust settles um on that one uh, one final stratagem that i'm going to mention uh, is one called enrich rounds i think we're going to see a lot of big units of vanguard in the future and um, because there's a few um buffs uh, to them with this stratagem for one CP, you can actually auto wound on uh, a four plus. So you'll always wound whatever you're shooting at on a four plus, which are oh, pretty is, good. Is, is very powerful. With your vanguard. Uh, this is with your vanguard. So anything that's got a radium um, weapon can auto wound on a on a four plus. Um, when you combine that with, say, for example, Tepri's uh, Manipulus, who can extend their range by six inches. Um, and the buffs to like the special weapons in the units, I think you could see a lot of like people taking lots of units, uh, big units of Vanguard, um, and making lots of shots with them. Um, I think that could be quite a strong um, ability. Yeah, that uh, sounds pretty tasty. Yeah, in um, in Engine War, they bought a new set of Warlord traits for the Admet called Holy Orders. So instead of taking your normal warlord traits, you could take one of these holy orders. <coughs> these were split between uh, genitors, uh, logi, magi, and um, artisans. That's gone, sort of. Um, the holy orders are back, but instead of being like a warlord trait, they're now uh, a way to upgrade your tech priests in your army. So they have a points cost. Um, you can apply one to your tech priests. They range from 25 points to 35 points, depending on the one you choose. And what that gives you is uh, a once per battle ability, which basically reduces the CP on one of your stratagems. Each of the four has their own kind of, um, what's the uh, word? Yeah. Like this, this for, type of stratagem. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. if, for example, we, we take the, 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 the Magi, uh, the, the magi um, their once per battle ability allows you to reduce the cost of one of your epic deed stratagems by one. Like I say, it's once per battle, but you know you could get a a, a, a free a free ability out of that. I think the um I'm sure the Dark Angels had a similar mechanic oh, as they? well. I think so. It's either Dark Angel or Jukari. I think it was the Dark Angels where yeah, it was like an honorific you gave to a character and it allowed them to use a, a discounted version a stratagem from that sort of family of stratagems. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, that's not all though, because I mean you wouldn't pay twenty five points for that i don't think and um, so what you also get are is like a two point a two-part progressive ability so when you start the battle your your tech priest will start in the initial part of the ability so if we stick with this particular holy order <clears throat> that allows you to pick a core unit within six inches <clears throat> and until your next command phase you add two to the advanced rolls made for that unit which is pretty good the stratagems that allow you to kind of ignore um the penalties to moving and shooting with a um, with um, with weapons and there's a lot of assault weapons in the admex that's quite a good ability what you can then do with your tech priest is at the start of one of your command phases your tech priest can start to perform an action the action is completed at the start of your next command phase when it is completed the initial part of the model's progressive ability stops becoming active and its advanced part becomes active instead so in this case it would be replaced with overloaded safeguards in your command phase if this part is active for this model, so one friendly core unit within six inches until the start of your next command phase, each time a model in that unit makes a ranged attack, an unmodified hit of six scores one additional hit. 
Um, so uh, that's really cool. I mean, it does mean that your tech priest is going to be out of action for a turn, um, but you're going to get quite a strong ability out of that uh, once he has completed the action. So um, I'm going to try it out. I think it could be quite good. Um, but like I say, it does mean one of your tech priests is probably going to be out of action for a turn, uh, which kind of sucks a little bit. Uh, moving on to Warlord Traits, we, we're now blessed with two uh, different tables for Warlord Traits. We've got one which is dedicated to your Tech Priest keyworded models, and we've got one which is dedicated to your Skitari, um, because of course we've got the new Skitari Marshal now. Um, the Tech Priest ones are really cool too, which I'd like to point out. Masterwork Bionics, which is the one that Call comes with, gives your Warlord a 4 plus in Vun save. And also subtracts one from any damages, um, any damage attacks that target him. Um, so damage two becomes damage one. Um, there's also a warlord trait that allows you to pick one cult mechanicus core unit from your army, uh, and they gain the teleportarium special rule. So basically, they can deep strike, um, which is really good. But it, it's only limited to cult mechanicus core units, which basically at this moment in time means electro priest because there's nothing else that has those keywords. <laughs> So I'm not sure if there was supposed to be more stuff, um, but they might as well have just written Electro Priests because that's that's all it's going to affect. Um, but it saves you know transporting your Electro uh, Priests into combat. You could teleport them in. Maybe if you're playing as Riser, you've got plus one to your charge rolls to make that nine-inch charge a little bit easier. Uh, not for me, though, because I would never make that charge. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, that's quite an interesting uh, Waldo trait. Uh, the Marshals, though, so we're not. We're, I haven't got to the day sheet for the marshal yet, but I think this guy is going to be an auto include to all Adeptus Mechanicus armies because of the abilities and auras he brings, and his warlord traits only kind of further fuel that. So uh, a couple. Um, well, before I pick out the, the the couple that I was going to pick out, he doesn't just. He, he can pick units within nine inches of him and give them this ability, or you can pick a unit that has the data tether. Um, war gear option so you've not got a range on that so you could have uh, I don't know you can give um, you can give a dune crawler a data tether um, and he could be nowhere near the marshal and yet you could choose one of the you, you could give this ability to him you know uh, what that's, a really, really, that's cool. a really cool ability I hope that's what we see for the like communication packs on the uh, Astra Militarum stuff it means like that your command passes. squad can, yeah, 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 command squad can sit somewhere safe and issue orders over the airwaves. Which it somewhere should be the case. safe on a 40k. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> relatively safe. And, <laughs> and that, should, that should be the case with the, the Imperial Guard, shouldn't it? You know, you're not going to have your general having to be at the front to give out his orders. <coughs> Gaunt, <He's gonna> be, <coughs> Commissioner Gaunt. <coughs> well, yeah, well, exceptions are apply, yeah. So I'm going to pick out a couple of these guys, Warlord traits. So there's one called Multitasking Cortex. Um, so you can pick a unit within nine inches of the Warlord, a core unit, a Skatari core unit, or um, a unit that has got the core uh, data tether keyword. Until the start of your next command phase, if that unit is performing an action, it can make range attacks without that action failing. We know how good actions are in the new edition as well, so that's really good. Uh, and another one I'd like to point out is Battle Sphere Uplink. So same rules apply in regards to picking a unit. Until the start of your next command phase, models in that unit do not suffer the penalty to hit rolls incurred for firing heavy weapons in the same turn that the unit has moved or assault weapons in the same turn that that unit has advanced. Um, so that kind of gets around if you wanted to um, 
use the uh, Warlord, the Holy Orders gave you uh, bonuses to advance. You could get your Vanguard units up quite quickly with their assault weapons um, and still be shooting at their full ballistic skill. Um, and uh, and obviously you can use these stratagems to make them even more deadly. So uh, yeah, I thought that was quite a, quite a good Warlord trait. But I think, to be honest, the Skitari Warlord traits are the stronger out of the two tables. Um, and if I don't have a Marshal as my Warlord, I'll definitely be probably spending a CP to give him one um, to, to, to make use of some of those. Uh, the relics are pretty cool in this army. Um, I'm going to pick out a couple for the Marshal. Um, there's one which basically gives him the ability to um, pick a... Uh, any Sorry, any Skitari core units within six inches of him get to re-roll hit rolls of one as well as wound rolls of one, which is built onto his data sheet. So if you're not taking a Tech Priest Dominus, so you're not getting your re-roll ones, what this relic would allow you to do is, is basically the Marshal's taking the place of that Dominus. He's giving you re-roll hit rolls of one, uh, and he's also giving you the, the kind of Lieutenant wound roll of one uh, re-rolls as well. Uh, or alternatively, you can give him a really cool pistol, which is Assault 3, Strength 4, minus 2 AP, and 2 damage. Uh, and he um, auto-wounds your target on a 4+, um, which... Um, which is really, really good. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll cover some more of the relics in the, in the review, so there are, there are some other uh, good ones in there. We've mentioned a lot about actions <laughs> there, there's and, and objectives. And the Skitari have gained access to four of their own unique uh, chapter-approved uh, objectives. Um, the one that um, I think is really cool is called Uncharted Sequencing, before deployment, assign one objective marker to each battle round and note this down on your army roster. An objective marker cannot be assigned to more than one battle more than one battle round. Score three victory points at the end of the battle round if you control the objective marker assigned to that battle round. That's um, cool. Yeah, so it's like kind of planning ahead in the, the game of, of which ones you're going to mark is basically your primary and you'll score extra, extra victory points for having that. And I think that kind of also encourages to build an admit list that isn't going to castle up uh, you know it's going to be quite fast you want to be getting around the board and stuff um which is uh, the, only, the only downside i can see to that one after your first three turns your opponent knows which two you're after so they just castle up on them yeah yeah i mean hopefully by that point your opponent's not got many models left yeah i guess that's a plan <laughs> um so yeah there's there's some really good choices there um, before we move on to quickly um, blasting through the, the data sheets, I do want to spare a moment to talk about Crusade because longtime fans of this podcast will know we all love Crusade. It's great. Reading this book only makes me want to have a Crusade army for my admech even more so. Um, so they have access to agendas that you can complete, uh, which gain uh, give your units um, experience. But what they also um, can provide you is parts uh, or architect, uh, architect even, basically parts. As you go through your crusade games, you're going to obtain these random parts. What do you do with these random parts, I hear you ask? Well, you put them together and you build cool stuff. <laughs> so you can build unique weapons, you can build unique war gear, and you can um, gain new auras and stuff. Um, the example here uh, that the, the, the book has made is an acidic conductor electrofused van braces, which is an assault eight, 18 inch range, strength three, minus one AP, one damage weapon. Um, 
You can only shoot once per game. Any unmodified wound rolls of six inflict D3 mortal wounds in addition to any normal damage. <laughs> On an assault eight gun. And okay. an assault eight gun, yeah. So um, these like Xenotech, so they're like collecting like <laughs> Eldar technology and Tau technology and things like that. What's really cool is you, you like when you're playing your games of Crusade, you don't know what parts you're going to collect because it's all random on D6s. Um, all you need, you've got power sources, you've got weapon parts, force field parts, and techno arcana parts. To build one of these war gear options, you always have to have a power source and then you have to have one of the other parts to then kind of fuse them together and, and, and make your weapon. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, it's so ad mech, isn't it? Like that that's that's so cool. Uh I'm you know really what, if, if, if I was still playing ad mech I'd have to have some cards made with all the different components so then I can like collect together <laughs> the cards and then yeah. That'd Absolutely. be cool. Yeah, yeah. It would be it'd be really, really good. Um so um I might even do a little side after the review I might do a little side portion which I'll put Crusade in the review, but I might take a bit of a deeper dive into that in its own kind of article. Um, you've got your other, your normal Crusade content in here that we see in all the codexes. So you've got unique battle traits that you can give to your units as they gain experience. You've got your own requisitions that you can spend requisition points on. Um, there's a cool one that allows you to, as your tech priest kind of gain experience and level up, you can basically give him a new body. So basically you just change your tech priest uh, into a new into a new um, body. So you could, if you had like a tech priest Dominus, you could maybe switch him to a Manopolis. He keeps all his experience. He keeps all his battle honors, but he removes all his battle scars because he's in like a new body. And that's uh, cool. Which is uh, which is really really good. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of trying that out. You've also got some unique Crusade relics as well, but I think I want to prefer just building my own. Um, yeah. But there are some um, cool choices in there which I'll um, cover in the review. So yeah, that's that's Crusade. Um, definitely looking forward to trying those out. Uh, there's quite a few data sheet changes. <clears throat> the army has changed um, quite a bit. I'm going to give this a proper in-depth coverage on the website where I'm going to go through each individual data sheet and cover what I've noticed has changed. Um, there are some units that I'm going to point out. Uh, Call has taken a, a points cut. I can't remember. Exactly. I've, I've, I forgot to write down what points cut he's had. Um, he is still good. Um but I'm actually now I'm more tempted to potentially try Mars list without him. I I love playing Mars. It's my favorite Forge world, and I always take call. Um, but what I might actually start to do is is play around with some lists that don't include him. Um, he still has his reroll one aura. Um, he no longer rerolls all hits. Unfortunately, we expected that with like the chapter master um, rules changes. Instead, he has an ability where he picks a Mars core unit within six inches. Until the starting next command phase, you can re-roll all your hit rolls. Exactly the same as the Chapter Master. Uh, he can no longer, because you don't roll on the canticle table anymore, that ability that he had to go up and down by one has gone. Um, instead, what you can do is you can pick a Cult Mechanicus core unit within six inches, um, and they can use a different canticle. The problem here, as far as I can see, is Cult Mechanicus uh, core units are Electro Priests. So um, I'll just absolutely triple check that. I'm sure I did before the um, the podcast. Uh, oh, no, we're Cataphrons. I've got it as well. So you could choose Cataphrons um, to change their canticle, um, but not any Iskutari stuff. So Rangers and Vanguard couldn't be chosen for that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's 
pretty cool. I, I don't think that's game changing, but um, it's still a pretty cool ability. Uh, the only other change he's really had is his solar atomizer is no longer D3 damage, it's flat free damage. And if you're within half range, it's D3 plus free uh, on his 12 inch gun. Um, the Daedalus, we, we, I, I mentioned on um, an Adeptus Mechanicus, Adeptus Mechanicus article that I put on the website quite a few weeks ago where I was kind of doing a bit of a wish list of what I wanted to see in this book. I mentioned um, if we would see the, uh, the Daedalus or if he was going to disappear because he was only available in Blackstone Fortress. And you guys might be able to correct me, but I don't think um, I don't think any of the new books were because the models aren't available separately. No. Games Workshop don't like to kind of include those rules in the books. So I, I was like, well, surely he's going to disappear. He has sort of. So the name Daedalus has gone. He, he's he's not in the book. At the moment, you can use him, but I expect that an FAQ is going to come out soon and say that you can no longer take him in match play. But the model is still in this book, and he's called a techno-archaeologist, and it actually has the picture of the Daedalus um, model. And he's a new type of tech priest. What He, he basically busts cataphrons. So um, he can make cataphron um, servitors... Uh, perform actions as if they have the infantry keyword um and he can also um that unit can also shoot without the action failing um which is um which is pretty good he no longer gives his plus one ballistic skill which i think it was the main reason a lot of people took him well it's the reason i took him um to give plus one ballistic skill that that's gone now um he has got a new ability where enemy units cannot be set up within 12 inches inches of him um in the reinforcement step so he's a bit of a a deep strike deterrent so that's that's pretty cool in in today's sort of meta um and he gives you and also what's cool as well is he doesn't take up a slot um so he's a bit like your cryptech and necrons mm. you can take um him or a, a normal tech priest engine here without taking up a slot um who so, so rather, rather than removing them, it's, it's it's a new profile then, using the same model. Using the same model, yeah. Which is interesting because that suggests that he may be available separately at some point. It does. It would appear so. It would appear so. Um. So we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Uh, the two other characters that I just want to quickly um pick on are the Tepris engine here that I just mentioned. He's very cool now. So previously we didn't get many HQ choices. You kind of took an engine here just to fill HQ slots. You could repair vehicles. You might have stuck a relic on him or something, but that was it, really. He was just a cheap HQ unit. Now, he has an ability called Awaken the Machine. In the command phase, he can pick one forge-world vehicle, not including the Castellan robots within three inches. Until the next, until the start of your next command phase, you add one to the attack's hit roll. Um, so you could make your dune crawlers like hit on twos um or your uh, disintegrator tanks um so you, i can imagine you having a couple of these in your backfield on your tanks giving them plus one ballistic skill um which i think is really powerful um and the only other hq choice i want to quickly pick is the marshal himself he's the new model he's the guy who i think every army is going to have so he's got a cool aura where units it's Qatari core units within six inches of him can re-roll a wound roll of one, similar to a Space Marine Lieutenant. But what he can also do in the command phase is select one friendly Skatari unit within nine inches or with the data tether anywhere on the battlefield until the start of your next command phase. That unit ignores the, de- the depreciation effect of the currently active Doctrina. So say, for example, you pick the one that gives them plus one ballistic skill, but they lose minus one on the weapon skill. 
but you've got a unit of infiltrators that are just about to charge a unit, you want them to be on their full weapon skill. So you could use his command ability to let them ignore that um, minus one to the weapon skill. So they're still hitting on, on uh, I think it's on freeze. Um, so that's that's quite a good ability. Uh, although actually thinking about it, I don't even know if infiltrators can date your tethers. That, that might be uh, a bit of a stumble in the, the works there. But still, it, it's quite a good ability um, to do. Um, a few grumbles online have involved special weapons and your troops choices so previously you could take multiple special weapons in rangers and vanguard squads matt i know you're a big fan of the um the arquebus taking mm. like a unit just a unit of five rangers and four of them have arquebuses sadly you can no longer do that uh. Uh, we, we predicted this was going to happen and um, because they seem to like you to be able to build your unit from what you get in the box so if you have under nine models, you can choose one special weapon, add it to the unit. So for, you could have a unit of nine with an arquebus or a unit of five with an arquebus. If you have a unit of um, 10 to 19, you can have one of each. So you could have an arquebus, you could have an arc rifle, you could have a, a plasma uh, rifle. You couldn't have two arquebuses or anything like that. It's only when you get up to tw 20 man units can you take two of each of those. So you could take two arquebuses, two art rifles, two plasma rifles, which has upset a lot of people because they built their units, you know, over the past few years with multiple special weapon options. And um, that's now no longer legal. So you might have to pick up some more rangers and vanguard, unfortunately. Um, Catafrons um, have got tougher. They've got extra uh, bonuses to their save, but they do not have the core keyword. So you're not getting a lot of your re-rolls with them, unfortunately. But they're still quite a solid unit. The breaches, specific, the breaches um, have have really been buffed. Their weapons are much more powerful. The torsion cannon, for example, is now strength eight, minus four AP, D three plus three damage, uh, and the heavy arc rifles are strength six, minus two AP, flat two damage. And if you're fighting a vehicle, um, the damage damage characteristics increase to three and an unmodified wound roll of a four plus successfully wounds a target. So um, that's that's really powerful. That's that's really good at taking out vehicles. Um, what else can I point out? Um, there are a few other changes, which like I said, I'll mention in the, the review. Castellan robots, they've unfortunately lost their double tap on shooting. They can no longer shoot all their weapons twice in the, the protocol, the shooty protocol. Um, instead, that protocol still exists. However, um, it increases their ballistic skill by one. So they're, they're hitting on threes instead of fours. Um, they can't move similar to their old rules, but sadly they can't shoot twice. Um, they can, uh, more like a dreadnought now, they can take a mixture of fists and um, cataphron uh, phosphoblasters. So you could build them with a fist in one arm and a gun in the other which I know, Matt, I think you predicted months and mm. months and months ago, or at least said they should do that. Finger um, on the pulse days. Yeah, exactly. You, you must have had a, an inkling that that was coming. Um, they don't have the core keyword. However, if you have a data smith uh, within three inches of the unit, they do gain the core keyword, which I think is um, really powerful um, to get those those re-rolls. Um, so that's, that's really, really good. Um, and I think that really covers a lot of what I was going to mention on the, the data sheets on this podcast, apart from an interesting one. So when the flyers came out, um, there's the Transvector, which is kind of your transport variant, which I was quite tempted by until I learned that it could only carry six infantry. 
So that's a bit disappointing. You, you know, you don't really need to transport a unit of five Rangers or Vanguard anywhere. Um, it's it's a little bit disappointing that. So what you would think Games Workshop might do is just increase the capacity of the flyer. That would be the straightforward, easy choice. <coughs> no, they decided not to do that. Instead, they're going to give it a really complicated rule. So basically, you can take two of these transvector models and split your unit between the two of them. So they have to fly in at the same time, land in the same place, and your unit gets out as one unit. Is the okay. short part of it. This is it, it's a it's a it's a massive lot of text to explain this. But in essence, you've got two flyers flying in. They drop the unit, uh, and the unit then obviously just forms back into one unit. I, I, I don't I don't know if anybody's ever going to do that. It, 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 it does beg the question: Why not give it just a bigger capacity to save all that? <laughs> I know, I know. I just I don't know if it's because they look at the model and think it doesn't look like it can hold more, and maybe that they kind of hung up on that and were like, well, I tell you what, what we'll do instead um, is you can fly two of them in with the unit split between, I mean, so then you've got that, a, a capacity of twelve. How, how many points is the is that transport? It's six power, Matt. 110 points. So you're talking 220 points to transport a unit of 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's an interesting concept, but uh, I, for one, will not be using that um, technique. Um, I'm just happy that the bomber variant, the Fusilov, hasn't undergone any changes that I can see, aside from the fact that they also get the Doctrinas, so you could give it plus one ballistic skill in a battle round, uh, making it hit on um, twos whilst it's at full strength, um, so that's that's really good. Um, and that kind of that brings me to the end of um, the book. I've just remembered uh, another good thing about the Vanguard. Um, if with a with a radium weapon, when you uh, are shooting anything apart from a vehicle, an unmodified hit roll of a six automatically wounds a target. Completely that's forgot good. to mention that. So that's another bonus to your Vanguard, um, which is which is really really cool. Um, so the, I, the, the, the old rangers have got the short end of the stick here, haven't they? I, yeah, I definitely think that the, the Vanguard... I used to use a lot of rangers because of their, their range. I wasn't such a big fan of the Vanguard because they always seemed to die on me. Um, but I definitely think I'm going to be building more Vanguard going forward with special weapons. I definitely need to pick up the Manaplus uh, Tech Priest. I've still not got one of them because he can pick, say, a unit of Vanguard and increase their range by six. So that gets around their fairly short range radium guns they've got some cool stratagems um you could even make them plus one strength in combat should you wish to get them into combat mm-hmm. um so yeah i, I think they're, uh, they're they're a real standout unit in the new book as well as um the marshal who i think is a must take um uh yeah really really strong choice like i say i i'm really impressed with it I, there are a lot of special rules there are a lot of auras. There's a lot of things with um, keywords. So as I mentioned, you've got the cult mechanics keyword. You've got Skakari keyword. You've got a few different kind of core units in there. So it, it is a little bit more, you have to think about what you're applying stratagems to to make sure you're not doing something that's cheating. Um, but I quite like that. I, I, I'm not saying the Admech were a simple army to play before, um, but they've definitely got uh, more options now, more um options to customize and they're a bit more of a thinking army there's a few different things you can do with them um i i think it's a really good book i, I don't think it's going to be absolutely like top tier kind of 
beating everybody at tournaments. But I think in the right hands, it is going to be a, a powerful book. What did awesome. you? What I mean, obviously, you guys haven't seen the book yet or my written review. But any takeaways from that? Yeah, I mean the the um, the ad make have always been cool. I've always had a soft spot for the ad make, and uh, it sounds like this give you a lot more options. Like you said about call not being a kind of auto include, it kind of mixes things up a little bit for you, doesn't it? It does. It does. I mean, the ability to pick a unit and make them re-roll all their hit rolls um, is very good. Um, and if you've got a Datesmith next to a Castellan unit, Castellan robots, you could apply that to them. Um, so, the, the, you know, the call is still going to be quite hard. But with the amount of options with all your tech priests now um, and all your cool warlord traits and stuff, I, I do fancy trying a list that doesn't include him um, to see how I get on. Cool. Excellent stuff. Well, I am going to take a drink after all of that. I will I will just say, obviously, I've only had the book for, um, well, pretty much 24 hours. So uh, I might have made the slight error when in talking about that. Do make sure you check out the website um, for the full review once it goes up. I will edit the podcast notes to include the link once it goes live. So you'll be able to check that out uh, and check all the data sheets in um, more of a comprehensive kind of review. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take a, a pause and I'm going to come back with this week's top three. After a fairly sizable Warhammer 40k section, it's time to switch to the Mortal Realms for this week's top three. And in honour of the impending Age of Sigmar third edition, we're going to talk about our top three releases for Age of Sigmar thus far. So Matt, do you want to start us off with your third choice? Well, we couldn't have a top three without including the biggest Age of Sigma model release so far, mm-hmm. and that is Vorgrath and Scarlock, the score host of Corn. <laughs> I mean, we'd been, we'd been. I think it was the early days of Age of Sigma when we originally saw this sculpt, and they had to shrink it down, didn't they? Because it was uh, too, too big and heavy. And mm-hmm. it's still a gorgeous model. It's been out a couple of years now, and you know, all these cool kids been able to do thirty-six mortal wounds. He's been able to do that for ages. <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't always do it, and he's a lot of points, and he, he doesn't get affected by the buffs anymore. So he's not the not the greatest unit in the game at the minute, but uh, it's still an amazing model, and I thoroughly enjoyed painting it up. I think Vorgraf and Archeon appear in an awful lot of your top threes. They're, they, do, they, yeah. they, do, they do deserve their places, absolutely. Uh, Jay, what is your third choice? Uh, my third choice? Well, Age of Sigmar 3rd Edition is just around the corner, and Dominion... But uh, so my third choice is Age Sigma Second Edition, the um, Soul Wars box with the um, Stormcast Sacrosanct Chamber um, and the Nighthorn as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, those Wizard Stormcast, because up until that point, I don't think the Stormcast had, had any Wizards, no. um, and they got they got the um, the the Sacrosanct Chamber, so your uh, Evocators and your Encanters. Uh, and they also got the endless spells as well. What's that comet, Dave? I can't remember what it is. Now, comet Sigma or something the, like that. Uh, no, it's uh, called the Everblaze Comet. Everblaze Comet, yeah. Uh, I just thought that range was fantastic. Really, really cool with the like the tabards and the maces and shields. Even the um, uh, the um, uh, what well, I can't think what they're called now. The battle line troop choice that they get. They can the empower sequaces. their weapons. Yeah, they can empower their weapons and shields, can't they? Yeah. Um, I was I was really blown away with that. Obviously. Pales in comparison to the what we've seen so far of the the new Stormcast Chamber, which is you know you'd expect that the the, the Sacrosanct Narrow a few years old. Uh, but yeah, I was really I, we were at, was it I, we were ever in Coventry or 
or Nottingham, and we, we saw were, it we, were, we were in Coventry. It was uh, Warhammer Fest, um, and yeah, we, was, we were so impressed with those. I mean, they've got ghost traps, guys. They're basically ghost busting Stormcast. Yeah. yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, that was actually going to be my third choice, Jay. Um, a fantastic range of miniatures. The Night and Haunt were really nice as well. Uh, it was a really good value um, box. Really got me back onto the Stormcast bandwagon. <laughs> So I'm going to very quickly pick out another top, uh, another third choice. Um, I loved the books, and I'm so glad he's got a model. I'm going to go for Gotrek as my third choice, as my sudden last-minute third choice entry because he's sat behind me. Uh, <laughs> he's got awesome rules. Uh, he's an awesome model, and I still haven't used him in a game, so I really need to change that. I need to add him into a Stormcast list or something. Um, so there's my hastily added third choice. Uh, Matt, what is your second choice? Oh, oh, well, I'm not one to hastily change a top three. So my number two choice is also Soul Wars. <laughs> and again, it is an absolutely phenomenal box. You've got... Now, the fix this with later releases. Arguably, the miniatures in the box you couldn't make a legal army with, which was a shame. And yeah. I think that's a misstep they've, they've, they've changed in the recent box they've put out where... You know, Indomitus, for example, that's two 1,000-point armies in there. And I think we'll see the same for Dominion. Uh, bar, bar that small niggle of the units weren't legal-sized, all the models in that box were great. You had a brand-new army in there, essentially, with the Night Haunt. Um, and then the full rule book as well. And I think it's worth pointing out that that, that is the first kind of full fleshed out age of sigma rule book that we had that really kind of explored all the lore and went into the depth and kind of we had maps and built out all the factions and that was kind of the beginning point of of i guess the the the, the rise of age of sigma you kind of got more excited about it at that point jay as well where yeah, i think definitely. it's safe to say the first edition didn't really capture your excitement as much as soul wars onwards did um no, you're dead right. Um, yeah, Soul Wars was 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 exactly what I felt Age of Sigmar needed. Uh, I'm not sure as well if we saw it was at Coventry if it was the same event where we it might have been the year before where we saw the Iron Jaws for the first time as well mm. um, with the Iron Jaws sculpts. It was a show like that, and I remember when I saw those models thinking, "Oh yeah, th- this looks good. Th- this now looks like a system I could get into." Yeah. Yeah, so yes, Soul Wars gets my big tick for the second best thing to happen to Age of Sigma. Jay, your second choice. Uh, so my second choice is um, it was the um, Storm Vault um, scenery that we saw. Oh, uh, yeah. There's there quite a few different packs, uh, and uh, it was Ray Transfield, wasn't it, who designed it all? Um, was it Ray on his own, or was it Ray? Yeah, was... I think Ray works with the team, but I'm sure yeah. like Ray was the lead on it, wasn't he? He was certainly one showing it off at the shows. Yeah, I mean, you've got some of this stuff and painted up, and it's incredible. I really, really like it. Some of my favourite Age of Sigmar scenery, really. Um, and yeah, I remember talking to Ray at the show, and he was showing us how you could combine all the different parts, and it was almost like a Lego kit, how you could like put pillars and posts and yeah. things really really nice piece of um scenery and i really like we talked earlier really hoping age sigma sort of revamps the scenery rules because these these sort of scenery kits nowadays that they're, they're up they're up there with the actual models and yeah. your army itself so they deserve yeah. really cool rules i think to be part of your game i mean i think we've used at least some of that because i think i bought the big the big box with everything in because i wanted to paint it all <laughs> um, and i think we've used at least part of that in every game of sigma that yeah. we've played since haven't we absolutely <laughs> we have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jay, I'm keeping it terrain. 
<laughs> but, but I'm not going to go for the Stormbolt stuff. I'm going to instead um, pick out the army-specific terrain. So mm. I really like this as an inclusion into the, the rules. I know they try to do it with 40k, but it comes with points and nobody ever takes them. But in Age of Sigmar, you basically just get this this free terrain feature that has, you know, some are very kind of minor buffs, some are, are much better but they give you um, a scenery piece to paint that is unique to your army. Something else to take along with your army. Yeah, it's something else to buy, I guess. But they're really nice. I don't think there's one um, scenery piece for an army that I don't like. I think they they all have their own unique sort of look, uh, and they really you give the effect of the army, like the the the, the look of them. You know, I've got a bone type nexus to paint. I'm really looking forward to painting that. It's such a it's a massive scenery piece. In fact, that one. Um, I really like the Seraphon Temple. Um, there, there's there's some really good ones out there. The the, the Moon Clan uh, kind of well, the Loon Shrine. rock Loon Shrine uh, is really really cool. The I'd love to see Floating Island. It's that's that's my favourite one. The Lumineth. Uh, Lumineth even yeah. What yeah. Stormcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh the Shrine Luminor yeah. Mm. We'll talk about Stormcast Floating Island uh, Matt, but we did see some artwork for uh, Stormcast Floating Island, didn't we? Who knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we had we had obviously we had parts of that um, storm vault scenery range as well that essentially became like an endless spelly kind of thing for the stormcast as well, didn't we? The kind of uh, engine, the engine thing, yeah, roll engine, or an embryo engine, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's really good, and it's, I mean, it's, this this, is, this seems like top three Ray Dranfield releases now, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, I remember us chatting to a show with him about it, and it was kind of the feeling that. Obviously, we're we're quite lucky that we've we've got you know we've got a table, we've got lots of scenery, we can easily set up another game. But for a lot of people, they've really only got their army, and they might be playing at a club or something. So it's nice to be able to bring a, a scenery yeah. piece that ties their army to the battlefield. And I think that's really been the kind of logic of it, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really looking forward to picking up the Norholes for the Skaven. That's something I do need to get hold of, um, and that's like a free part sort of scenery piece. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really cool. Um, and even your Wildwoods, Jay. I know, obviously, they're a bit of a flaff, but, you know, it's a really cool I enjoy painting idea. them, man. They look good on the battlefield. Um, the, new one, the new one's really nice as well. Yeah, the new one does look nice as well, yeah. It's just they're not very practical. That's my problem with them now. I guess back then, Sylvaneth were really the only army with a terrain piece, so to speak. Yeah. So there was a bit more room on the board for them. But nowadays, yeah, you've got the Bone Tide Nexus and a Shine Luminor taking up all the room. I think no. arguably the, the the train's denser now than it was when Sigma came out yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, there's, o- there's only one downside to army specific terrain is that in that if you've got an army that doesn't have one. <laughs> Poor angels. Two or three armies that haven't got one, Dave. <laughs> uh, Caradrons as well, yeah. Pretty much. All, in fact, all my Age of Sigma armies, apart from um, the Bone Reapers and the Skaven, uh, don't have terrain features, uh, terrain uh, models, which is a shame. Hopefully the Stormcast will change. We'll, we'll have to see about Caradrons and Iron Jaws. Uh, we are round to our top choices already. So, Matt, enlighten us with your top choice. Well, when Age of Sigmar came out, however long ago it was, um, the the initial rule set, we, we, had a, we had a kind of intro book which gave us the kind of lore about the Age of Sigmar and Sigmar and what's going on. But the actual rules, I believe, were four pages, I want to say. Um, obviously quite quite basic. And, and the... The, the main game was kind of essentially line up your armies, take whatever you want to take and have a bit of a scrum in the middle of the board. 
Now, obviously, there was the Realmgate War series where they kind of brought out battle plans and had more narrative stuff. But for kind of a, a, a tournament game, a match play game, there wasn't anything. There wasn't anything. You just had these basic rules. You had a, a bizarre events where essentially you could bring whatever you wanted. Um, and it was a lot of people kind of house ruled. OK, you can take a number of wounds or you can take a number of units. That was never in the official rule pack anywhere. It was just a case of, of, of bring your armies. And that, that turned a lot of people off the game because there was no there was no organized way of making a fun and balanced battle. Because, you know, you can you can say, OK, well, what you've got there, I can roughly work out here. We can do a game. But that's a lot of faffing, isn't it? Where in 40k you can just write an army list, and yes, there's some armies that are better better than others, but arguably 2,000 points is 2,000 points is 2,000 points across any book, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where we didn't have that in Sigma until a glorious book arrived, the General's Handbook, which added proper army construction rules. It added points for every unit in the game. It added some amazing uh, scenarios that they only improved on every year. With with a new coast of what do we get about twelve or so new scenarios, including some tweaked ones and revised versions of previous ones that kept the game really really fresh. And that kind of uh, cross pollinated into 40k as well. When we then got the annual uh, chapter approved release, which is very much the same thing. We've got the new one for 40k out this uh, this this week as well. Um, and yeah, I think if it wasn't for the general's handbook, I think Age of Sigmar would be in a very different place now. Uh, I think that book alone has, has has saved the game, and then obviously Soul Wars has built on that, and then we've had the annual General's Handbooks every year since then, and yeah, the game's the game's been really strong because of that. Yeah, absolutely, C- couldn't agree with more. Second edition, I mean, we got Jay into it, <laughs> which um, which which helped a lot. Um, great top choice. Um, Jay, what's your top choice? Uh, yeah, so my top choice it sort of ties into that a little bit. Uh, and it was the um, first edition of the Sylvaneth Battle Tome. Um, so it was sort of like, um, like a trailblazer for, blazer for, for the Battle Tomes that came afterwards. It was the first one really that had its own spell law, its own mm. um, magic artifact list. It, it felt quite close to what Warhammer Fantasy... Um, uh, what did the codexes? What were they back then? Army, army books. Weren't they? Yeah. yeah. What, what, the old Warhammer Fantasy army book. Um, and that was my first um, Age of Sigmar army, my first Age of Sigmar battle tome. Um, and yeah, that coupled with the General's Handbook sort of made it much more appealing to me, definitely. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the things, I guess one of the selling points for the original release of Age of Sigmar was that all the rules would be free and all your unit rules would be free. And the, I guess the problem games which you've had from that is that you can't really sell an army book with additional rules in there if the rules to play the game are meant to be free which meant those initial i don't know half dozen books was literally law in the front and then just the the war scrolls no like army abilities or allegiance abilities or anything yeah. like that and then it's probably around yeah probably in the lead up to general's handbook and that that sylvanus book i'm sure was the first one to do it where they yeah. actually thought okay we can have the, the the core war scrolls free and that'll always be a thing but to get the most of your army, you need to buy the army book, as you always have done in kind of games, workshop games. And I think that was a really good decision. You know, I guess it's uh, they, they certainly tried something new with making it completely free rules wise to play the game. And that's, you know, that's that's pretty cool. But I do prefer a more 
crafted army book with abilities that kind of tie everything together. That just makes makes an army an army, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Like compare, compare it. It's like I've got I've got the old Iron Jaws book somewhere, and it's just just mm. day sheets. And I mean, it's got some nice artwork and lore in there, but nothing else. Yeah, I remember at the so, yeah. time being really, really happy with the Sylvaneth Battle Tome and all of the extra additional content. It felt like a proper game again, a lot, yeah. a lot closer to Warhammer Fantasy. So, yeah, and then after that, then it, you just not look back. The, the Battle Tomes have just improved. The General Handbook have just improved. Uh, I mean, you can compare it to the, the, uh, the, the Soul Black Grave Lords book, where essentially you've got five armies in there, depending on your bloodline, and you're not you're not restricted. You can take different bloodline vampires in your army, and they all unlock different battle line and stuff. And again, yeah, it's like, it's like you say, it kind of brings it back to closer to what a, an army book was back in Warhammer Fantasy, yeah, which is a good thing. Absolutely. Um, so for my top choice to finish us off. Um, obviously, when Age of Sigmar launched, we had a lot of our old fantasy models. You obviously had the Stormcast that, that was a brand new faction. Um, they, they were quite cool. They were a little bit Marmite to some people. Some people just thought they were, were quite kind of dull. Um, these like golden boys. Um, however, it all changed when the Caradron Overlords landed because that really launched like new army, new brand new armies for Age of Sigmar. Uh, who would have thought that they bring out dwarfs with big airships um as a as a faction but i'm so glad they did um, mm. I, i'm really i really love my carajon um army uh yes the flying bases are a pain in the backside but um <laughs> the actual models themselves you, you can't fault them uh they're a really good army um they weren't amazing when they came out but their latest battle tome like changed all of that the, the, the like one of the best armies now uh, in the yeah. competitive scene and yeah it's a really fun army and then, you know, obviously we've got a few brand new armies now. We've got the Ideneth, we've got the Lumineth. Before before the Caradrons, I mean, we had the Fire Slayers, but really they were just an iteration on what we'd seen before Slayers, in Slayers yeah. from Dwarves. So, yeah, I really like the the new, new stuff. And that's I'm ho- hoping what we see from the Destruction Force in Dominion as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, even if they are, even if they are kind of goblin based or rock based, that we've seen hints of in that animated trailer, having a, a, a kind of a unique hook to them is what makes you want to start collecting the army, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what their rules are because, you know, you don't want to see like another gloom spike gits or another kind of iron jaws. It's going to be, I don't know, I, I, I'm almost imagining maybe like an infiltrating kind of, you know, coming out of the marshes sort of G- ambushes G- G- gene stealer cults for age of sigma is what yeah. i predict yeah, yeah. Something like with that. monsters with monsters so yeah i can't wait for saturday can't wait to see what they reveal um it's going to be dead exciting um right that's our top three and um, we do have one more segment to finish off this week's podcast it's the community top three and that's coming up next Before we wrap up this week's podcast, let's run through the community top three picks. Starting over on Facebook, Andy Sims, his third choice is the Feast of Bones box set. Actually, I think this is probably one of the best battle boxes they've done, if only because they introduced a new army within it as well. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, every, every single model on the uh, the Bone Reaper side was new, and that's rare to see in a battle box. Yeah, absolutely. Um, his second choice was the Warcry starter set and Catacombs. Um, I mean, the scenery in those boxes is fantastic, and the models are really nice as well for Warcry. Uh, and his top choice is the Broken Realm series. It's developed the story with some of the most incredible lore 
and bought amazing new models too. Could not agree more. Um, it just puts Psychic Awakening to shame. Uh, Josh Upton, third choice, the Gloom Spike gets. His second choice is all the greater demons. And his top choice is the entirety of the Warcry range. Warcry getting a lot of love so far. Mm. Uh, finishing off on Facebook, Brian Dennis. His third choice is the Mortal Slanesh range. His second choice is Keeping It Chaos with the Slaves of Darkness Battle Tome. And his top choice is a very new army. It's the Soul Black Grave Lords new range mm-hmm. slash battle tome. Matt, what do we have on Twitter? Well, Anonymous Rex says the Caradron Frigate, the Azurite Ruined Chapel and the Corvus Cabal. More uh, war cry love there. Rob Scott says Bellacore, Maximum Monster breaking up the realms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Keeper of Secrets finally arrived along with two battle tomes plus the newborn. Yeah, Slanesh has got a lot of love considering that he's been imprisoned between the realms <laughs> for the entirety of Age of Sigmar. And uh, the Unmade, or any of the Warcry warbands, tough to pick. Can you see a theme here? There is a lot of chaos love in the uh, in the comments today. Pete Allison says, Malign Portents, a hugely underrated book with so much narrative flavour. Yeah, yeah, that was, I suppose, the equivalent to Broken Realms now, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, the Azurite Ruins, still one of the most flexible AOS scenery kits. I'm going to give a shout out for the Azurite Ruins. They make brilliant stands for Caradron vessels as well. Put a pin <laughs> through the side of it into the vessel. It looks like it's flying past it. It looks amazing. And Soul Wars, the book, the box and the background. Such a huge leap for the mortal realms, mostly into the Shaish Nadir. Andy Wood says Mega Gargan. So yeah, massive kit. Really, really cool. Gotrek and Kragnos. Uh, we have also got Matthew Thomas saying the General's Handbook releases, always keen for those. The Warcry original box terrain and how modular it was with the Azurite ruins. Uh, Soul Wars for its jump in the lore in the introduction of the Night Haunt. Such a great box. And then finally, Evan says the Endless Spells, cool addition to the game. The Realmgate War series, thought it did a great job of starting to flesh out the realms. And finally, the Caradron Overlords. They were bonkers, totally unexpected, and showed us just what GW could do in the new setting. So, yeah, some really cool stuff there. Excellent, excellent. Matt, what is next week's top three? Well, in a few days, we will see what is inside Dominion, the new Age of Sigmar launch box. And we want to know your top three models from the Dominion box. Excellent. So you can get your choices in early via social media, facebook.com forward slash bruise and bruise or our over on Twitter at Spruce and Brews, or you can wait until we put the post up, usually on the Sunday or the Monday, before we start recording. Um, that brings us to the end of a, a little bit of a delayed podcast this week. Um, but we'll be back on schedule again next week. Um, we hope you have a great weekend of hobby. And ensure you check out the 6pm preview over on Warhammer TV. I know all three of us will be glued to our screens to see the content of Dominion. I cannot wait. I'm going to go paint some Skaven. Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruesandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruesandbrews.